Well, good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you here today. I am excited to introduce our guest preacher this morning. You might remember him. He was with us, I think, about a year ago. But this is my buddy, Sean Palmer. Sean is the teaching pastor. We'll give him a hand in just a second. I know. They're excited, man. This is your crowd over there. Sean is the teaching pastor at Ecclesia in Houston. He's a fantastic communicator. He's also a really great writer. Don't know if you're into the Enneagram. I know we've done some Enneagram stuff here. But his latest book is called 40 Days on Being an Enneagram 3. It's fantastic. Y'all to check it out. Y'all please give a warm Vista welcome to Sean Palmer. It's so great to be back. Uh, what Austin didn't mention, and you might remember from the last time I was here, is that uh, my family and I, we, we did live in Temple for five years, about five years ago. So it's, it's always nice to come back into Central Texas. My mother-in-law still lives in Salado. My father-in-law was a preacher there for a long, long time before he died about 16 years ago. So I was married like just down the street in Salado. So Central Texas is kind of... Kind of my jam. I remember, you know, at 36 and 35, where those come together, like, I remember in the 90s when there was just, like, a, like, a Chevron station there, like, and now there's, like, Target and all this other kind of, I, there was, if you're newer than that, like, if you think Temple Belton is small now, like, back then, like, it was, like, barely, like, a half-horse town, not even, like, a one-horse town. Anyway, I'm glad to be here with you. As we open the scriptures together, let me ask God's blessing on our time. Creator God, we are grateful to be in this place with people whom you love and who love you. And we are thankful, Lord, that you have adopted us as your daughters and your sons, that you call us your own, and that we will participate along with Jesus in an inheritance from you. And Lord... As we transition from a year that has been um, pretty unpredictable and crazy in some ways, we would ask that you would give us a renewed vision for who we are as individuals and who we are as a people and as your people. And toward that end, God, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching. Let everything said here be from you and because of you and guiding us towards you as we partner with you to bring about your preferred future for all of creation. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, this is one of my, this is my favorite weekend so far this summer. And that is because so far in Houston where I live, and I think here, like the summer temperatures have been pretty mild but we're starting to inch up into the 100s, and I'm excited about that because I am leaving Texas. (laughs) So this Tuesday, our family gets on a plane and we do what most good Texans do in the summer, which is go to Colorado. And we're going to be in northern Colorado, and I check the temperature daily, and the high while we're there will be 79 degrees. And I am taking sweatshirts off the shelf in my closet to pack them up. And I will think about you all in 100 degrees back here in Texas. But our summer has just been really busy. Our family, I have a wife and two teenage girls, and we have been all over the country. There are only four weeks this summer that we're actually all four of us in the same place where we're in the same city. And so one of those is this upcoming week. 
And what's crazy about that is I didn't grow up, I don't know about you, I didn't grow up going very many places in the summer. So my dad was an educator. He started as an American history teacher and a band director, and then he became a high school principal and then a superintendent. And so what that meant was when I was a kid and he was a high school teacher and in graduate school is that we didn't have any money, so we didn't go anywhere in the summer. Like my summer was basically playing baseball and going to the library every day. And the reason we went to the library, we had this great children's library in our local library in Moss Point, Mississippi. And I thought my dad would take us there because he was excited about us learning. But he would just dump us in the children's library and then go study himself for his own classes. So it wasn't until I was like 35 that I realized like, my dad didn't care about us at all. Like he just wanted us to shut up or be someplace else. But it also meant, like, we never, we never went on vacation. Like, I can remember as a kid going on one vacation ever, and that was to Disneyland, Disney World, I think, when I was in, like, second or third grade. And so in the summer, my life, because my dad was home, my life had a different rhythm to it, but it was just as busy. Busy with riding bikes and playing baseball and doing all sorts of different things. We had a different rhythm, but it wasn't all that different. And what happened to me over the course of my life is that things like vacation became foreign to me. But along with that, rest became foreign to me. I don't know about you, I'm one of those people who just don't know how to rest. Like it's always going and going and going and going. So, so during COVID, because my, my office hasn't even gone back fully yet, people have asked like, what were your, what were your two biggest accomplishments during COVID? And I, I like that question because I can tell them this. During COVID, I wrote two books during COVID. And the second one, um, which I just finished like in May, was really hard at the end. It was a lot of sweat and tears and we did revision after revision after revision. And one night at dinner, um, I'm talking with my wife and our daughters and I, I, I say, you know what? I'm pretty sure uh, this, is, this is my last book. And they laughed at me. <laughs> and my oldest who is 17, she says, every book you say is going to be your last book. And I was like, I really mean it this time. This is going to be my last book. And they said, we'll see. And they were right. Because a week later, I was on the phone with my agent talking about the book proposal for the next book, which he really wanted me to write, really encouraging me to write. And I said, well, maybe at some point I can gear up enough energy to write this book but not this summer, I'm so exhausted, I'm gonna take some time off, I'm not gonna write anything this summer. And he said, okay, we'll see. Because the next week, I was signing a contract to contribute a couple of chapters to another book that's coming out this next year. 
and they needed my pages before the end of the summer. And this is just how I'm wired. Like, I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to rest. And some of you, some of you are exactly like that. Like, some of you always have to have a project you're working on, always are doing the next thing. Like, you're always driving, you're always striving, there's something else going on. And some others of you, you're not always working on something. There's not always something that has to get done. There's not a next project that you're working on. But you're, you're just as restless. Like you're just as filled with anxiety and doing. None of us are alone in that. Just because you're not doing very much or you have the capacity to not do very much doesn't mean that you're not restless. You're overcome with anxiety or navel-gazing. You may not be busy, but you're not at rest either. So, Vista, what I want to do is invite you into what might be, for some of you, a new life rhythm. And I just want to spend some time inviting you to come and settle at a place of rest. And you may be like me, at least like I was when I was a kid, and vacation may be off the table for you, but rest can always be on the table for you. Because the truth of my life, the truth of your life, whether we realize it or not, is that without true, deep, meaningful rest, not only will you feel exhausted and burned out and overrun, but you will never know how much and how deeply God loves you. And this is, this is all encapsulated by the short little teaching of Jesus. A friend of mine says that it's kind of like a recipe for rest. And it, it's found in Matthew 11. And this is what Jesus wants you to know about rest. He says, the Father has handed over everything to my care. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son wishes to reveal the Father. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, but it is perfectly fitted to your curves. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. When you are yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest. Now, now, if my friend is right, and that's a recipe for rest, it is unlike any recipe that I've ever heard in my entire life, because I know how a recipe works. Like, you either follow the instructions on the box or the card, or you click that link that says, jump to recipe, because nobody wants to hear the story about your grandmother anyway. But at the end of it, Like, it's you doing the work. Like, when you follow a recipe, that is you 
doing the work. But when Jesus begins to talk about rest, the first thing he says is the Father has handed over everything to my care. Well, that's great, Jesus. We know that already. Right? The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, birds and bees, the rotation of all things. Yeah, we've, we've all read Psalm 8. We know that God is in control of everything. What we don't know, or at least what we quickly forget, is that everything, that everything includes you. That God has given over everything to Jesus. And that includes you. You are, you are part of everything. Your spouse, your kids, your job, your responsibilities, college tuition, your retirement, your car, your house. It's, it's part of everything. And it has all been handed over to Jesus, which means that it has not been handed over to you. Now, some of us, some of us really struggle to rest because we are control freaks. And we think that everything has been handed over to us. And if we don't do it, make it, strive for it to happen, if we're not in control, if we're not pulling the levers, then it's not going to work out. Because somewhere along the line, someone convinced us or we convinced ourselves that we actually were the center of the universe. And if we didn't do it, that it wasn't going to happen. And Jesus is telling us something that a lot of us just don't want to hear. You're not in control. And you've never been in control. And no one probably told you this, and I'm going to be a friend and let you know, nobody wants you to be in control anyway. It's all been handed over to Jesus. It's not been handed over to you. And just because Jesus says it's all been handed over to him, like that, that doesn't mean that you can sit at home and watch Netflix all day. You, you do have roles to play in your workplace and in your family, in your business. There are things, there are assignments that God has given you and responsibilities. There are stewardships that God has given to you not to control but to watch over. He has given you stewardship over some things, but they are not dependent upon your ceaseless striving. So at Ecclesia in Houston, we have a fairly large staff, about 35 or 40 people. 
And so one of the things that we wanted to do during this last year when everybody was working from home during COVID was we want to make sure that everyone had a Sabbath day. And because we were meeting on, we were having to meet online and do all these other things, it was going to be really helpful if we all had the same Sabbath day. So that became Friday. So everybody, no one's returning calls, no one's returning emails, none of that. And so I had no idea what to do on these Fridays, because those are the days that I have long time reserved for getting other stuff done. So like if they're speaking stuff or book stuff or writing stuff or travel, like I just do all of that stuff on Fridays. And so I was like, I really want to take this seriously. I want to really try and embrace rest. I think there's something that I need to do there that God's trying to show me. And it drove me absolutely crazy. And so I do a lot of things, but I'd say I've committed myself, like, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to, you know, watch television or read books. But I'd work out every Friday still. And about six months into that, I was like, I probably don't need to do that because even that goes against the intent of Sabbath, which is to not only cease from working, but to cease from working on yourself. And you know what I realized after a year of forcing myself into a Sabbath day on all the levels of my life? Life will be okay. It'll be okay. Like if you just take some time, don't force it, don't work, embrace rest, that you really do begin to see that everything's in the hands of Jesus anyway. And when Jesus says this, he just doesn't say that everything's been handed over to me. Jesus says that everything has been handed over to me for care. Let me ask you a question. Who would be better at caring for you? You or Jesus? Who would be better at caring for your family? You or Jesus? This is a fundamental difference and people who embrace rest, and people who resist rest, because some of us really believe that we are better suited for caring for ourselves than Jesus is. When we refuse to rest, which is what we are doing when we don't do it, we are interviewing two candidates for the job of caring for ourselves, and we are choosing the least qualified candidate. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says this next. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, but it's perfectly fitted to your curves. So rest is a gift. Like it's something that Jesus gives to people. Now, there are two schools when it comes to gift giving. Like there are some people who give gifts according to your relationship, their relationship with the gift receiver. So it's either something that I'm really interested in or something that we share, something that I want you to experience. Like that's the kind of gift, something that's representative of the relationship. And then there's a second kind of gift giving that's about the gift receiver's relationship with the gift itself. Like maybe they've made a list. Will you give me a gift? Get it off my list. Like, I'm not interested in your opinion. Jesus, though, Jesus is the first kind of gift giver. He says, this, this is emblematic of my relationship with you. And I know what you need. Psalm 23, that maybe you learned when you were a little kid in Bible class. And you don't even have to know very much about the Bible or God to have heard Psalm 23. And it talks about this relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. And one of the lines that sounds really pretty that we don't think about as much as we should is when the psalm says that the shepherd makes them lie down. So when I was a kid growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, I had a whole lot of things available to me and I was really into music and so were my friends. And because um, our house was very musical, my mom always let us do music stuff. And like, honestly, like when I was 17, 18, my mom let us do some stuff that I will not let my 17-year-old do. I don't know what she was thinking. Like, we'd go to concerts in downtown Atlanta, and the concert would start like at midnight, and she'd be like, cool, yeah, go, whatever. I think she was kind of like my dad when I was little and just wanted me to go away. Um, and so she let us do a lot of things, but every now and then, I'd want to do something on the weekend, and she would just say no. So no, you can't go. And I'd be like, why? And she said, you go too much. Like, that was her whole reason. Like, there's no argument, there's no case, there's, you just go too much. And so there were times where I'd just spend the whole weekend, and I would just have to stay at home, just being at home. She said, you just go too much. Well, fast forward. It's been close to 30 years since I've left home. But about eight years ago, my mom started working for me. I was needing some people to help some, do some things with travel and manage some things that I didn't want to do. And I was going to hire this executive assistant. She was getting close to retirement. And she said, well, just let me do that. And I thought, well, if someone out there is going to have your credit card number, if it can't be your mother, then you're, you're going to be in bad shape. So she's been working for me all of this time. So part of that, though, is every time that I get like an invitation to go someplace or to do something, like it has to eventually sort of land on her desk 
because she's got to make a flight reservation or a hotel reservation or, or something like that. And so a year ago, right before COVID, I was looking at all these things I had coming up for that summer and that fall. And we were talking about it. It's like, what day do you want to fly in? And where do you need to go? And what kind of car and all this? And she looks at one and she goes, I don't think you need to do this one. I said, well, why? You go too much. It's like, that's her whole reasoning. And I said, I am 46 years old. You can't tell me to stay in my room anymore. In Psalm 23, he makes them lie down. That rest, this invitation to rest is a gift. Jesus has been handed care for you. And part of that is learning to rest, is embracing rest. And what many of us find out the hard way is that our constant going and doing decreases our capacity and our experience so often to a point where we will get burned out or we will get sick and we have to rest. Like, you are going to rest. You are going to slow down one way or another. And Jesus is providing you a better way. And that's because Jesus knows better than you what you can bear. And in our world, almost all of us are burdened almost all of the time with something. There's financial concerns or anxiety, grief, depression, illness, cancer, children, the surest way to demonstrate our own brokenness is our inability to take breaks. And so at the end of this, Jesus offers this beautiful invitation. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. When you are yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest. So this is who Jesus is, gentle and humble of heart. And you are invited to enter into that gentleness, that humility. Jesus calls this his yoke, which sounds painful, But what what the scriptures are really saying, is what Jesus means is that his yoke is the opposite of all of the other burdens that all of life is offering to you. Jesus is saying, all of those things that stress you out and wear you down, you can actually give those to me. And I will take care of not only them, but of you. 
Like how many of us, even those of us who are constantly going, constantly busy, constantly moving, like deep down somewhere inside of us crave someone to just take care of us. And while we're taking care of husbands and wives and children and jobs and groceries and cooking and houses and cars, that would someone just, just for a little while just take care of me? One of my favorite writers is Barbara Brown Taylor. And this is what she says. She says, stop for one whole day every week and you will remember what it means to be created in the image of God. Who rested on the seventh day, not from weariness, but from complete freedom. The clear promise is that those who rest like God find themselves free like God. No longer slaves to the thousand compulsions that send others rushing toward their graves. So this is the invitation for me and for you. That you will find a sliver of your life, a day, a week, a month, whatever it needs to be for you in this season. And that you will trust God with your life and rest. And I believe if you do that, that you will discover that you have never been more loved. Vista, let me pray for you. God, would you help us embrace this act of trust, of resting in you and who you are and what you've done Lord, that we would lean on you as a loving and giving father who has only our best interests at heart. And God, that we would give our lives to you both in seasons of busyness and in seasons of slowness, that we would know that our ultimate dependence is not on our own work, but on what you have done. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ.